0: Welcome to 13th
1: Floor. I'm Alex. I'm Cece. I'm James. And joining us is Caleb.
0: Hey, everybody.
1: Yeah. And uh, Caleb is a practitioner of magic. And incidentally, Caleb, first question is actually question zero. Uh, What do you prefer to be called? Because there's all sorts of words for that.
2: Yeah. um, So uh, all the words, they just sound so goofy. So um, when it comes down to it, i I tend to prefer magician just in terms of someone who does magic, because yeah. like wizard obviously is way too Harry Potter, sorcerer just sounds really D&D, but even magician sounds goofy. So <laughs> I tend to prefer myself, just think of it as someone who does magic, uh, gotcha. which is comedy, but this is how I think about it.
0: I get gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Caleb, what is magic for you? Hmm.
2: Yeah, so um, this is uh, it's something that's always really hard to pin down. Because uh, the definition always seems like it's inevitably going to be either too broad or too narrow. Um, because, for example, something, just a single practice, can in some context be magic and another context not. Like, for example, praying the rosary. Um, if you're doing it just as a purely devotional act, that's not magic. But if you're doing it with an intention in order to try and get uh, Mary to intervene on your behalf, then I would say that is a magical act. So it kind of puts me in mind of that one Supreme Court uh, justice's definition of pornography that you know when you see it. Um, (laughs) But uh, I think that there are kind of two, two definitions that if we kind of think with them parallel to each other, we can kind of get a good idea of what encompasses magic. So the first I would say is that magic is the use of spiritual means to affect change in the physical world. So again the the uh the example of the rosary um using the rosary to get mary's attention to get her to do something for you uh doing candle spell to try and get something to happen using spiritual means to cause something to happen in the material world and the second definition i would say is that magic is the methods and protocols of trafficking with spirits because um although uh there are going to be some cases where an act of magic is not necessarily going to explicitly involve a direct appeal to a spirit, uh, the trafficking with spirits, consorting with spirits is integral to the practice of magic. Wow.
0: Very interesting. <laughs>
1: well, well, in that vein, what what got uh, you into magic? Uh, what, was, what was sort of like your introductory experience?
2: Um, so I've been kind of, uh, I kind of got started and everything when I was about 14. Um, it was, uh, so I was raised in, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the Seventh-day Adventist Church.
0: Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah, I had yeah, a neighbor yeah, who was I, him. <laughs> Yeah, I
2: was, I was raised in that church. Um, I know that there there are a lot of really great people who uh, who like it a lot, but uh, just not, did not, not a good fit for me. Um, so I was basically done by the time I was 14 and kind of just looking around, what's, what am I going to do? Where do I go from here? Um, and, uh For a couple of years, I had my cringy atheist phase like everyone did, but uh, at the same time I was doing all that though, I was also still researching and learning about occultism because just from the jump, it it grabbed me Um, and uh, early experiments uh, had enough results that it kept me coming back. And uh, so, um, and there've been times uh, for work for a year or so I'll I'll drift away or whatever, but, ever since I was 14 I've been into it and I would say I've really been going hard for probably the last uh last six or seven years
3: that's a long time
2: yeah yeah yeah.
3: well I I looked up a little bit about magic before our interview with you and I was wondering I see that there are lots of different forms of magic what forms of magic most interest you
2: yeah so um my, my practice of magic has essentially kind of two, two threads to it that I kind of keep a little bit separate from each other. Um, and that's the, uh, the Christian and the non-Christian. Um, so in my Christian magical work, uh, that's very much tied to my work with and devotion to St. Cyprian of Antioch, who is the patron saint of magicians. Um, and my non-Christian magical work is very much tied to my work with uh, the goddess ekate Um, And it's, uh, I'm very much interested in, as far as the non-Christian magic, in the the old stuff, uh, like you see in the Greek magical papyri. Um, Not, uh, I I really don't have things like um, more modern paganisms, like uh, Wicca or Norse stuff—that's that's so reconstructed uh, and often a little bit ahistorical—has very little appeal to me. So uh, I like I like the old the old pagan stuff. Um, and obviously there's modern elements that come into it. Uh, there's always going to be some level of reconstruction, but I like being able to go back to a text uh, that we have from when these things were living traditions, mm-hmm. which ties in as well to the the Christian elements of my magical practice. Um, I I very much uh, I'm very much in favor of the grimoires. I don't know if you've come across any of the grimoires. Things like <laughs> the Lesser Key of Solomon, uh, the Grimoireum. We've Grimorium we've Varum. touched
1: up on them, but you know, really, a grimoire-related episode is something that's got to be. It's it's definitely needs to be put in the pipeline because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah.
2: So yeah, uh, so I'm very very uh, very big fan of the grimoires, um, especially the Lesser Key of Solomon and the Grimoireum Verum. Uh, and that is also very much related to my work with Saint Cyprian, because he is, in a lot of ways, um, as uh, a, a prominent, call this Jason Miller put it, he's the patron of magic committed to page. Um, and uh, kind of corollary to uh, to working with grimoires, I'm also very interested in the um, in the traditions of magic from the American South that gets called variously hoodoo and rootwork and conjure. Uh, african-american traditions of folk magic and uh again though the grimoires and hoodoo there's there's a lot of overlap because um the sort of magic that you uh that you get in hoodoo um a lot of that you find in the grimoires as well That sort of uh folk magic yeah Um, my my grandpa was a root worker oh that's awesome yeah and uh but there's also and there's also uh, a good bit of grimoire overlap in hoodoo as well because um you'll find things like uh like root workers putting uh solomonic seals in their mojo bags and so forth
0: wow so it sounds like you dabble in a bunch of different types of magic but is there like a code of ethics that you find
2: in magic Ow. i i don't think so i think that anyone uh, i think that anyone who uh says there's some sort of special code of ethics for magic is trying to start a religion <laughs> um, I think that uh, magic doesn't have some sort of special ethics. The ethics of magic are just the same ethics you live your life by. Um, and uh, so, like, uh, I believe in self-defense. If uh, if someone uh, tries to mug you on the street and you uh, and you knock them out, uh, I think that's totally justified. Um, right. And if someone comes at you in a less physical way and you curse them, I think that's totally justified too. It's just a matter <laughs> of where your personal ethics lie and whether you're comfortable with the idea of self-defense in general. Interesting. That's so
0: interesting. <laughs> I, have you ever put a hex on somebody? I,
2: I have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not something I go around doing all the time, just like I, I don't go around just punching strangers in the face, but when, when necessary, I will.
1: Oh, man. Enough. Uh, enough. Well, it's it's funny you touched on on religion a moment ago, because I'm, I'm kind of curious about the... the ontology and epistemology of your worldview, you know, Mm -hmm. which doesn't necessarily directly connect to magic, but in your case, there's a very good chance it does.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So, so what's, what's Caleb's view of the universe and how he fits in it?
2: Um, Oh, that's a big question. Yeah, yeah it's, um, it's the big yeah. question. Like, yeah. I'll get um, back
0: would, to you in a few days.
2: Yeah, I would say that um, my general views on the uh, the composition of of reality are, to a certain extent, animistic. Um, I think that we're basically just uh, walking through a world where everything has some sort of spirit attached to it in some way. Um, and uh, I think that uh, the evidence suggests reincarnation is a thing that sometimes happens to some people. I don't think it necessarily happens to everyone all the time. Um, and I think that's kind of uh, that's kind of on the, uh, the on the ground uh, picture of how I think things go. Um, as far as a larger picture of kind of like the universe and everything, um, I tend to uh, look at it kind of um, through a sort of Hermetic or Neoplatonic lens. Um, like you see delineated in uh, the, the text from the Corpus Hermeticum, uh, The Divine Piemander, um, in which uh, essentially uh, humans are, uh, they, and there's a lot of overlap with Christianity because Christianity was so influenced by Neoplatonism, mm-hmm. um, but essentially uh, humans uh, express the image of God in whatever form you, uh, whatever you take that to mean. Uh, like for example, I know that there are certain African traditions that believe that, but they think that what the image of God means is that humans have the capacity to create just like God does, rather than for example, like looking like God or what have you. Um, but uh, humans are created in the image of God for whatever reason, we find ourselves incarnated here um, in these uh, in these bodies. Um, and there are a series of powerful spirits that uh, kind of run the universe. Um, mm whether you want to call them the planetary angels or, or what have you, uh, the archons, um, yeah. I've heard of the archons before. Yeah, Gnosticism. <laughs> um,
1: well, yeah. now I'm a little the curious. Between,
2: yeah, the difference I, essentially between like the Hermetic view and the Gnostic view is, uh, it's essentially the same view except the Gnostics think it's a bad thing and they're very paranoid. I um, hope I'm
1: not opening a can of worms with this, but I'm just curious because the, the, the Africa comment made me wonder, would you describe yourself as a perennialist
2: um i would say that uh yeah, this is, is a point of contention
1: um, for a lot yeah, of people there,
2: <clears throat> i would say that there is some some element of truth to the perennialist claims but i wouldn't take that perspective um I don't think that there's some sort of, uh, of Prisca theologia that's just recurring everywhere all over the world because of some sort of like, uh, because the spirits want the truth to be out there. So they just stick it in everything. Okay. Um, I think it's more just a matter of the fact, uh, I think it's just um, a consequence of the fact that all humans, no matter where they are are interacting with the same world. Hmm. And so it's going to be hard to draw wildly differing conclusions. The deal. That was deep.
3: <laughs> I I have something a little I have something that's a little less deep. And I was wondering, what are your thoughts on the way that media and pop culture portray magic?
2: Um, I mean, I, I like fantasy, I like horror, none of it's realistic. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Like Harry Potter isn't real
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean uh, there there's a ton of reasons to dislike Harry Potter, um, but you could definitely say that the portrayal of magic is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you ever
0: seen like a at least somewhere close, accurate portrayal in media?
2: I know that I have. Um, I'm having uh, I'm having a hard time bringing some things to mind. Um, there is a horror movie, uh, Skeleton Key. I don't know if you've ever Oh, it's oh, so good. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You know, they actually, yeah, they, they actually brought in Catherine Ironwood to consult on that to make sure they got the magic right.
1: Interesting. Huh. I, I fucking love that movie. Oh, man, I'm getting yeah, it's flashbacks so now. Speaking of media, any media you recommend that's sort of like just tacked on to to Alex's?
2: Um, Well, Skeleton Key, obviously. Um,
1: I mean, it can be nonfiction, too, though.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Well, I'll just cover one more fiction thing first. Uh, Season one of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. um, (laughs) That, I think, is is really interesting because it, uh, insofar as anything, gets, uh, like, the medieval witch cult, right? Uh, it's probably the closest thing I've seen uh, as far as that. So it's, it's uh, definitely an interesting thing to see. Um, as far as nonfiction, um, uh, these are some books that I've recommended to you before, James, um, the, uh, the Chaos Protocols by Gordon White, uh, The Sorcerer's Secrets by Jason Miller. Those are two excellent books for if you're interested in like kind of practically, how do I get started with this? Um, if you're interested more in history, um, I would say that Jake Stratton Kent's uh, Encyclopedia Goetica series um, is a wonderful place to start for the uh, for the Grimoire tradition. Good deal. Wow. I, mm.
3: I have this. Mm. Might be a stupid question, but what are the the Grimoires?
2: Uh, the Grimoires know. are a series of. Um, <laughs> Kind of manuals of magic that uh, were written um, through the uh, medieval and Renaissance period, um, and uh, they they tend to focus on a particular type of magic, which is the the summoning of spirits, um, and uh, which what class of spirits varies according to the grimoire. Um, the two main ones you'll find are ones about summoning demons and ones about summoning angels. Um, and yeah, so Alex's favorite were...
1: demon was from the Go-Eddie. I Remember, Alex?
0: Oh, I can't remember his name. But he was the, <laughs> I can't the, either. The toilet, no. the toilet demon. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, the grimoires are these manuals of essentially um, how to get started summoning spirits that come from the medieval and Renaissance era, um, and uh, they're just uh, wonderful. They're um, uh, they're kind of uh, one of the only written, tangible pieces of evidence we have of how the Western magical tradition evolved um, through the uh, uh, through the Middle Ages, because we can trace the evolution of the Western magical tradition from the, uh, the early Christian era with the Greek magical papyri, all the way up kind of to the present day by kind of seeing these snapshots of where it was by looking at these texts that were written at various times throughout the history.
3: Interesting. I wonder, like, how did they, devise it and figure
2: out all that stuff in order to create it you know thousands of
1: years of trial and error and tradition
2: that's and that's what i always say when uh when i um whenever i see someone like trying to reconstruct a a dead tradition that we have no info about or uh or something like that i say well yeah sure fine that's fine if you have 500 years of trial and error to spare
1: Oh man! um well, you know it's sort of on topic with with media we've We've gone over the media that you like and a few things that you don't. If there was something that you could clarify, like let's say that you had uh you know a, a speaker to to the world uh, mm-hmm. what would you clarify like a misconception about
2: magic? Uh, I would say the biggest one is I would like people to not think that uh anyone is into magic is that evil or insane. Um, because that's gonna be the two main reactions that uh, that people have uh, if you find out you're into magic. If they're like very religious, they're gonna think you're evil. If they're like very uh, very scientific, they're gonna think that you're uh, insane. Um, so that that would be my my preferred first thing to go away. Um, something else uh, that I would like to go away is that um, it's easy. Like it is not easy. It takes uh, a great deal of work. Um, like the daily work is really where it's uh, where it all comes from. Uh, This is not something that you can like just every now and then do a spell. It's uh, any more than you can just like sit down and play piano once a year. It's something you have to do every day. Um, So my daily work, my meditation, my offerings, my ritual work with my patron spirits, I'm in my temple room for like an hour a day all told. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's a lot of work. it's not something that you can just like, uh, like in, in another thing, going back to media, like you'll often see like a, a kid finds like a grimoire in an old library, just flip to a page, read off the words and then uh, something happens. That's right. not the way things go.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Interesting. Okay, I think yeah. I think I have the last question today. And I was wondering, do you believe in extraterrestrials?
2: Um, my uh, My, thoughts on extraterrestrials are not necessarily fully formed i tend to uh agree with a lot of what jacques Vallee has written about uh aliens i don't know if you guys have read any of his work mm-hmm. um i'm not
1: familiar i'll ask um, you what if it is it in line with what crowley said about aliens
2: uh i don't agree with anything <laughs> okay <what he> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i'm kind of glad because i really don't want to live in a universe where crowley was right about aliens yeah
0: yeah
2: <laughs> um But essentially I think that uh, when we're talking about uh, like UFO phenomenon, um, I think that they're probably, the universe is far too big for there not to be any aliens out there somewhere. I think it's uh, the the more pressing question is have they visited earth to which I would Mm -hmm. say maybe. Um, I don't know if I believe in nuts and bolts, extraterrestrial craft visiting earth, but the UFO phenomenon uh, is a thing and I think it's a thing we don't necessarily have all the answers to about i think that it is reasonable to um it's reasonable to uh, uh to place some weight behind the claim that what we experience now as the ufo phenomenon is what we're experienced in previous eras as uh as like uh fairy encounters Ooh,
0: interesting. interesting i've never huh. thought
3: of it that way before
0: yeah mm. uh you know I got another question for you and I don't know if you're able to answer it because you know I know like entertainment magicians are not allowed to reveal any secrets right (laughs) (laughs) but I didn't know if you were able to like give maybe our listeners an idea of what a routine type of uh magic that you would do like just kind of like a day-to-day thing
2: uh yeah so um yeah so uh this comes back to the daily work how so much depends on that because this is something that if you're not uh keeping that connection to patron spirits alive it's just nothing's gonna happen um so i'm sure you guys remember the uh all the extreme winter weather we had um a uh, couple weeks ago um and uh so i saw that uh we were getting all the forecasted power outages and so on and i work from home so that's that's a problem for me um so uh Right before the day before each storm hit, um, I did uh, a simple little spell um, after my daily work with St. Cyprian uh, to make sure that uh, I didn't get hit with any power outages or uh, or Internet outages. Um, So it's a very simple one. Uh, It just consisted of inscribing the spell down on a piece of paper with consecrated ink, just saying a brief litany over it and just leaving it on the altar. Um, and uh, power went out in all the houses across the street from me uh, in both buildings to the side of me uh, but I was fine and my ISP was sending me <laughs> tons of emails apologizing for all the internet outages but I was fine uh, good deal <laughs> that's, awesome. that's cool uh, man.
0: and what happened to that guy you hexed on the street when he threatened you <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding
1: man uh, well well, thank you so much for for coming on here, Caleb, uh, and dispelling a lot of uh, misconceptions as well as putting a lot of uh, really, really just putting a, a remarkable light on certain details of magic that we didn't really have uh, any idea about before, and that yeah. a lot of our listeners are going to walk away with a good deal more information. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, thank you. Very enjoyable.
1: All right. Good deal. There's one other (laughs) thing that we we do. We uh, at the end of an episode, we uh, we say until next time, we hope that you can. And then we all say, keep it strange. It's always, (laughs) always awkward with video for some reason. People (laughs) are better at doing it, but we're still going to try. So you want to join in on that? All
3: right. Yeah. All right. right.
1: Well, thank you guys for so much for tuning in. And until next time, we hope that you can keep Keep it strange. strange. That was actually pretty good. (laughs)